this week on Priority One. Picard, Picard, Picard. Star Trek Four, maybe? Star Trek Online's 10th anniversary starts with a cryptic message. And another Star Trek game celebrates an anniversary. Plus, a retro card game is still getting new expansions. Then we take a look at the latest short trek, Children of Mars. Finally, we'll open hailing frequencies and receive all of your incoming messages. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 444 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, January 14th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, January 17th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kat. And I'm Anthony. And before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on our weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or even by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Maintaining these features would not be possible without the support of our patrons, listeners like you who support the ongoing production of this show by offering a financial contribution each month. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One Pod and check out how you can become an admiral in the Priority One Podcast listener fleet. Now, Captains, we understand, of course, that giving up your hard-earned money is a big ask, especially for a podcast, and we understand it. But if you've ever wondered, Priority One is, in fact, a community podcast produced entirely by volunteers with a passion for Star Trek. Even if you cannot make a financial contribution, there is another way you can support the show. And that is by telling your friends about it. Once we post an episode on Friday, make sure that you're hitting that share button. It's really important. Whether you retweet on Twitter, share it on Facebook, like it on YouTube or copy the link and share it on another social media platform, spreading the word about Priority One and telling others that you enjoy the quality of the content that we produce goes a long way, just as far as a financial contribution. So please consider supporting us in that way by jumping on social media, hitting that retweet, hitting that share, giving us that thumbs up and like wherever you consume Priority One. Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. We are in the final week of waiting for Star Trek Picard's January 23rd premiere on CBS All Access. Now... Sorry. If you thought that the hype train was hitting high warp in the last couple of weeks already, well, I guess it has officially hit warp 13. 
because Picard news seems to be everywhere at once now. Picard here, Picard there, Pickard up there, Pickard down below, everywhere Pickard. For starters comes the news that the new Picard series, which hasn't even streamed a single episode yet, has already been renewed for a second season by CBS. Viacom CBS Executive Vice President Julie McNamara cited the magnitude of excitement for the show's premiere as a driving reason for the renewal. Also announced this week, Picard's sister show, Star Trek Discovery, has more quietly been greenlit for a fourth season. This too before an episode of season three has been released. Back to Picard, according to The Hollywood Reporter, there are rumors that Star Trek Picard has even been greenlit for a third season, but that is still unannounced. Of course, this is all just the tip of the Picard news iceberg this week, so let's check out all the other interviews and updates from around the cast and creative team of Star Trek Picard. The obvious place to start would be with the captain himself. Sir Patrick Stewart sat down last week for a chat with NPR's Weekend Edition Sunday program. As he stated before, Stewart was initially not considering a return to the role of Jean-Luc Picard. But now, he's added some details to his thoughts on the matter. The political climate in the UK and the United States left Stewart feeling that the real world had become too distant from Star Trek's Federation ideal. He specifically mentioned his disappointment, embarrassment, and even anger at the UK's decision to leave the European Union, saying, The European Union always made me feel, well, we are heading towards our own Federation of Planets. Somewhere down the line, that will come about. But while sitting down with the show's producers, Picard was introduced to their vision for a federation that's very different from the one Jean-Luc was last seen defending. This federation has leaned toward isolationism, and Picard has distanced himself. The discussion was enough to change Stewart's mind and intensely spark his interest. Stewart also let drop a mention that during or after the Romulan refugee crisis, Picard made some, quote, errors of judgment, mistakes, end quote. Speaking to what the character still has to offer viewers today, Sir Patrick highlighted the captain's modesty, patience, and passion for humankind. He points out... And one of the great things about Jean-Luc was he was a great listener and would only speak when he felt everyone had expressed what they believed. And the crew of the Enterprise came to know that they were at liberty to speak the truth about what they believed and what they thought. Stewart believes more people, particularly leaders, could stand up to speak about what they truly and passionately believe. From Sir Patrick Stewart, we shift our attention to Star Trek's franchise head, Alex Kurtzman, at a press tour in Pasadena, California. Kurtzman and producing partner Heather Caden answered questions from Trek News website TrekCore.com. Asked about lessons learned from the inaugural seasons of Star Trek Discovery, he spoke about the importance of hearing the reactions and feedback of fans. Quote, Before we lock things down, it's terribly important to listen to fans and hear what they like and what they didn't respond to or wasn't clear to make sure we're tracking accordingly. I learned when I started working in the Star Trek world that that's a really essential part of making these shows, end quote. Speaking to the state of the Star Trek universe as a whole, Heather Caden mentioned the ongoing development of the Section 31 show and the animated Lower Decks and Nickelodeon projects. The key question, she says, quote, is this show a unique space we haven't explored yet, end quote. And she hopes they continue to find those new avenues. Kurtzman offered an intriguing bit of news next, declaring that there are two more live-action shows in the works 
that haven't even been announced. With Discovery viewer reaction hugely vocal, it can probably be assumed that one of those shows will be a show centered around Pike and Spock's Enterprise. We'll just have to speculate what the other unannounced show might be. It had better be. If it's not Pike, I'm going to be so mad. So mad! Oh, I guarantee you that a Pike show is in development. And you know what's interesting? How... They've already admitted that they listened to the hype train, right? They've listened to a hype train, so now we have season two of Picard, potentially even a season three, and there's been a fair amount of hype over Christopher Pike by the fans. I mean, Anson Mount just did such an amazing job in the role that they had better, they had better do this. I mean... That's a moneymaker right there. Anson Mount's a moneymaker. Up next in this week's series of Picard interviews is coverage of Jerry Ryan's chat with IGN. Speaking about where the new series finds Voyager's Seven of Nine, Ryan explains that Seven has seen a lot of, quote, dark crap in the last 20 years, end quote. The universe is a mess, she says and Seven holds Starfleet and the Federation largely responsible. As the story opens, Seven is working with a group of freedom fighters called the Fenris Rangers. Ryan says the group is trying to keep a semblance of order in the galaxy's mess. Her path crosses with that of Jean-Luc Picard, and Ryan says, This is the first time that Seven and Picard actually meet. They know each other by reputation. And as I said before, Seven's not on the, oh, he's a god bandwagon think initially when she meets him because she she holds him partly responsible for what Starfleet has done in her in her view. Ryan's character was brought into the story because of Picard's fundamental relationship with the Borg. Alex Kurtzman has said that Seven of Nine organically grew into the story through her shared experience as someone who had also been assimilated. The opportunity to explore that element of their lives and what it means to them presented compelling questions for the show. As part of a Picard panel for the Television Critics Association, Marina Sirtis had the opportunity to address her return to the screen as the next generation's Deanna Troy. The actress admits that TNG fans eager to find out all about the state of their favorite characters in Picard may be left short. She says viewers can expect to find out a little bit about Troy and Riker, but not everything. Sirtis also shared a humorous anecdote about joining the show. It seems that when she spoke to the wardrobe department of Picard, they were unaware that Sirtis wore a wig and black contact lenses for her TNG costume. Luckily, the actress could bail them out. She says, quote, I was like, do you know what? I think I stole them, so I think I have them. So let's just go get the contact lenses clean because they've been sitting in a lens case for 15 years. And I have the wig, end quote. Speaking generally about her return, Sirtis recalled comments made by Carrie Fisher on her return to Star Wars. She quoted Carrie saying, quote, I'm a 60-year-old actress in Hollywood. People aren't exactly throwing scripts at me, which is kind of the place I'm in, end quote. With the humor Sirtis regularly displays at Trek conventions, she also pointed out her least favorite aspect of joining Picard, filming in HD, saying, quote, Really, the man who invented high-definition cameras, and it was a man because a woman would never have bleep invented it, right? May he rot in hell for all eternity, end quote. I love Marina Sirtis. <laughs> She's hilarious. She's fantastic. I got a chance to see the Women of Star Trek panel at Mission New York with her and Terry Farrell and Nana Visitor and it was oh, nice. it was one of the best panels I've ever been to and I'm I'm so glad I got to see them together. Very cool. As far as Picard goes, this is a lot of a lot of stuff. 
Yeah, the, the hype train definitely is at warp 13. I'm going to turn into a salamander and I don't know what to do. I, I said this during the captain's vlog that we've been producing and, the, and this week's captain's vlog that, I don't know, I'm a little concerned about a second and third season of Picard. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love it. I mean, Patrick Stewart and Jean-Luc Picard they're my favorite. He's my favorite character. He's my favorite actor. He's my favorite captain of the entire series. Well, then there's Anson Mount as Pike. Anyway, my point is, is that, you know, Logan was a feature film and it was a darn good feature film. And it took a comic book superhero and did a really serious take on it, you know, as a swan song for Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine. I mean, at the end of it, you, you get a little emotional, you know? It's like the, the longer they extend it, the more chance they have of screwing it up kind of thing. And that's my fear. Mm. I don't know. I think if they have potentially three seasons to work with where they can really develop a good storyline, I think that's better. Because you always get like, oh, like Stranger Things. You get one season that's fantastic, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? You know, so I think it's kind of good for long-term-ish planning, but... I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always of the opinion that if it's good, then give it to us. And we won't know if it's good until we see it. I think the executives at... CBS have seen it and they think it's good enough because they're the ones that make the decision on whether or not it gets a new season or not. I also think the fact that Picard is the number one most anticipated show of 2020 according to IMDb, that that also has something to do with it and they want they want to capitalize on this hype as well by greenlighting a season two and letting people know look, you should watch season one because there's going to be a season two. You know, I am so envious of everyone who got to go to the premiere last night. They got to see the first three episodes. Isn't that crazy? The first three episodes of the season were aired last night at the theater in Hollywood. Jelly. As far as I'm concerned, it didn't happen because if, if I knew it had happened and I wasn't there, I would probably rip whatever's left of my hair out. I, man, I was, they, CBS, if you're listening, please, can we have just a few more things on the East Coast, please, in, in New York City? There's a, a, a big group and a lot happening in New York City, and I think it's fair to, to do something on the East Coast. Uh, you know, I know it's filmed over there, but, you know, something, something, something for us East Coasters. I'd show up for that. Picard isn't the only Star Trek in the news this week, though. Fargo and Legion creator Noah Hawley spoke to Deadline this week about his upcoming Star Trek feature film. Interestingly, Hawley says it's not decided if his film will carry on with the cast of the recent Star Trek films by Bad Robot. The project might not be connected to the ongoing Trek universe of Alex Kurtzman and CBS. The filmmaker says, quote, I have my own take on Star Trek and going back to what I loved about The Next Generation. When a lot of franchises focus on might makes right, Star Trek is about exploration and humanity at its best, and diversity and creative problem solving, end quote. He specifically called out the moment in Wrath of Khan when Captain Kirk stalls for time as they remotely lower the Reliance shields. Those are the elements of Trek that he wants to reach. Holly says he still needs to write the script and wants to be respectful to the underlying material. To read up on this interview or any of the others in today's show, check out the links in our show notes. So this is interesting because I think everybody assumed that this was going to be Star Trek 4, continuing on with the Kelvin timeline. And to be honest, I'm a little disappointed that it won't be and that it's going to be a new reboot. 
possibly a next generation reboot while we have Picard on? Maybe it's next generation in the Kelvin timeline. How cool would that be? Kat says it's a great idea. Nope, nope. <laughs> no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> All right, Captains. Picard is a little under a week away, and I know that all of you are as excited as we are, and perhaps also signing up for CBS All Access, even if it may be through gritted teeth. If you do, please, oh, please, oh, please, head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CBS and sign up using our affiliate links. At no additional cost to you, we get a bit of an incentive for promoting CBS All Access. As you know, producing a show is not cheap and definitely not free. So perhaps you're not a patron and you have to really budget your money and you're gonna spend on CBS All Access to enjoy the latest episodes of Star Trek, then do us a favor. Because again, at no additional cost to you, signing up to CBS All Access using our affiliate link helps us out. So again, that's priorityonepodcast.com forward slash CBS. Or just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com because up on top in the menu, there's a handy link that says CBS Sign Up. Now, back to the stories, and let's ask a community question. Which Star Trek news this week was most exciting to you, and why? Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. With the 10th anniversary of Star Trek Online right around the corner, many of us have been waiting for an announcement regarding the milestone event. Well, in a tweet dated January 14th, Star Trek Online shared a 10 years of Star Trek Online wallpaper featuring the Enterprise F and the Portosku Klingon Cruiser with a strange block of inserted text that read hear me? Even more mysterious was if you followed the link to the wallpaper and then clicked the wallpaper itself, you were taken to a completely different image. This one indicates a coded transmission and the saucer section of the Enterprise F with a series of characters where the registry number should have been. After being decoded through ASCII 85 coding language, it translates to a phone number. Calling the phone number played a recorded message of the original series intro with a series of numbers spoken throughout. One of our very own patrons, SFC, helped in linking the numbers to a hidden cryptic blog post. This one contains a video that three more transmissions were coming and an audio recording of someone who seems to be given a recording device to make audio logs about their experiences. As of recording this episode, it's not known who the voice belongs to or what they are experiencing. So, Gunters, the race is on. Check out the show notes for links to the tweet and decoded audio transmissions. So it's worth noting that Ambassador Kell did something similar back when Victory is Life launched, when he was announcing that Jeffrey Combs would be returning to voice Wayun and Brunt for that expansion. So this isn't new, but it has definitely gotten people hyped up and going crazy for whatever this means for the 10th anniversary event. You know what's interesting is I know that Al Rivera is a huge fan of Ready Player One. 
he's actually the guy who who like told me, yo, you got to read this book, read this book. It's amazing. I absolutely love that book. This is good community engagement. I mean, you know, setting up a, a number, a, a voicemail. That's great. That's great thinking. So yeah, for all you Gunters out there, keep an eye out because it doesn't look like we're done with these cryptic messages. <laughs> In anticipation for Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Online has announced a new Picard bundle. And we use the term new loosely. The bundle is now available and includes all uniforms and variations from the next generation, including the All Good Things uniform from the series finale. It also includes the privateer uniform Picard wears in the episodes Gambits Parts 1 and 2. The replica Thompson submachine gun is the only weapon in the bundle. However, the bundle does include three starships, a Tier 3 Constellation class cruiser complete with an updated visual skin, a Tier 5 Galaxy Exploration cruiser and an upgrade token, and a Miradorn Raider, which was previously only available from a lockbox. The Picard bundle will set you back 12,000 Zen, that is, unless you purchase it between now and January 20th when it will be on sale for only 6,000 Zen. There's really nothing new in this, right? There's th the only new feature that we're seeing here is that a lockbox ship has been moved into a purchasable item in a bundle on the sea store. That's never happened before, correct? It has not happened before as far as I can remember in the last 10 years. Then on top of that, it's being promoted as a Picard bundle. And with, as hype, as, you know, to build hype for the upcoming series next week. I try really hard to seldom poo-poo on their monetization of things in the game. It is free to play and they need to make money. And in order for us to be able to play the game, they need to continue to make money. This one for me at first really did seem like a money grab. Uh, and so I took to Twitter and I, you know, I just responded to the post about it, uh, you know, to voice my displeasure with this particular bundle. And then Loot Critter replied back to me and, you know, help me look at it a different way. This bundle is definitely not for us. This is for newer players or novice players, or this is an attempt to attract new players because throwing Picard on it, the name Picard into this bundle. But then at the same time, I'm like, all right, well, save the Picard bundle for when you have new items from the Picard series in the game because they've done it with discovery right after you do you know they've brought assets in from star trek discovery into the game calling it the picard pack i think triggered a lot of us because there's nothing new in it but at the same time it's new it this is definitely geared for for not us so we did i did want to clarify Somebody in our chat, Dijon, is pointing out that the Tier 5 Galore class ship was previously uh, a lockbox ship that then was was in the Victory is Life release pack. Uh, but that is a Tier 5 ship. This is the first time a Tier 6 ship has been available outside of a lockbox um, in a purchasable item. And Elijah, you're absolutely right. This is not for us. This is for the people who are going to watch Picard, hopefully see an ad for the game during their CBS All Access subscription. Which, be sure to subscribe to CBS All Access using Priority One Podcast's affiliate link at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CBS. And then when they jump in the game, they're going to say, oh, look, I can buy this pack. I can get all this stuff from Picard's, you know, experiences on the next generation. And then they're going to, you know, drop 12,000 Zen, hopefully. That's the, that's the thing. You know, most of these packs go on sale for a little bit. I think that, that that's trying to entice those of us who maybe have one or two or 
everything in the pack already? Me. I have everything. I have all those things. I don't have an account unlocked for my Miradorn, but I don't want it on every character. It's fine. I'm not very happy. <laughs> yeah, the Miradorn ship is the only ship that I don't have in that bundle. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm seriously thinking about putting the money down to get it. But I, it's hard for me to just to just impulse buy it because it's you're right it's not new stuff it's because we're not going to see picard assets in the game probably until after season one is over they did the same thing with discovery season two where they had built the the disco enterprise but they waited to release it until after season two because they wanted to see what the ship did how it performed in the show so that they could emulate that in the game. So I think it's going to be a while before we see any real assets. I bet you we get costumes in the next couple of weeks, but I bet that's it. Well, that brings us to our next community question. Will you be purchasing the new Picard bundle? Let us know. And what in the bundle do you not have and are excited about getting? Let us know in the comments section for this episode over at PriorityOnePodcast.com or engage with us on social media and reply to our community question posts. As many Star Trek Online players noticed a few weeks ago, new in-memoriam plaques were installed on Earth Space Dock, the Klingon First City, and the new Romulus Command. If you haven't already, we encourage you to take the time to visit these new installations which are now columns lit up in faction colors. Each one has a rotating list of names belonging to major contributors of the Star Trek franchise, most recently adding Rene Auberginois and Aaron Eisenberg. And if you're missing those two specific Star Trek performers, be sure to stop by Quark's Bar the next time you're on Deep Space Nine. Both Odo and Captain Nog have been relocated and are sharing a conversation at the far end of the bar for players to join in on. Did you guys notice that? They added... I didn't see Odo. I mean, I saw Nog when he moved to Quarks, but I didn't realize that they put Odo in there. I'm gonna have to go look at that. Yeah, this is this is a very touching monument, and and much better than what was there before. Um, my understanding was that Nick kind of put this together quickly. I think I saw a post of him saying that he wished he had a little more time, but I can't imagine anything better than this that would be that would that wouldn't be too grandiose. Yeah. This is a nice touching monument in the game. Well, moving on to our Armada news, Kat, why don't you give us an update? If you didn't know, uh, every Tuesday we team up with other Armada members to earn Marks and Dilithium on TFO Tuesdays. So if you uh, are interested, come and join us. Also, we are running a weekly uh, post on the website at PriorityOneArmada.com called Tribbles and Bits. We just ask a couple random questions, one about Trek and then one about Star Trek Online. And, you know, we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, you can even make them funny because I've seen some uh, responses and they're fantastic. So if you haven't checked it out, go to the website, PriorityOneArmada.com, and it's under news and tribbles and bits uh, and answer our questions. On to actual Armada news uh, with the Federation Armada itself has now reached level 635. Now that means all the Gamma fleets benefit from an 18% dilithium discount on all future projects and upgrade costs, which, you know, filling out those fleet projects is expensive. So yeah, now we get a discount. Uh, House of Martok, we're still working on that tier five colony uh, upgrade, but we're really close. We just need ore provisions. So if you have spares, uh, drop them on by, that'd be great. And House of Moog is working on its final tier five upgrade for the Starbase. So once we get that done, 
you can get all those awesome ships. So that's where we're at with Armada news. In other gaming news... Disruptor Beam, the game developer behind Star Trek Timelines, announced this week that characters from Star Trek Picard will be coming to the game very soon. And in honor of their four-year anniversary, players can log into the game and claim a free five-star Dr. Bones McCoy, along with other rewards. In the past, we've talked about the old Decipher Star Trek customizable card game that shut down almost 15 years ago, and that has continued to be virtually updated by a continuing committee since that time. The game, with two separate editions, continues to have a strong player base and will be releasing a new virtual expansion set for the first edition of the game. Titled Q-Who, this new set focuses on making the Borg a more accessible faction for new players of the game. For more information on the Star Trek CCG and what this new set has to offer, check out the show notes. Now let's look on screen for the latest short trek titled Children of Mars. Computer, set short trek episode Children of Mars on screen. On screen. Over the course of just eight minutes, we meet two 12-year-old girls, one an unidentified alien named Kima, and the other a human named Lil. Both girls have loved ones on Mars who, for one reason or another, seldom have an opportunity to make it back to Earth to be with them. Despite that shared pain, the girls misplace that anger towards one another. The tension and bullying finally erupt into a physical confrontation. Not long after, as they sit in detention, they discover that they have much more in common than they thought. Mars is attacked by what the Federation News Network calls Rogue Synth Attack, putting the girls' loved ones in danger. Pair hold hands and come together in the harrowing moments that follow. All right, let's jump into some of the touchstones that we might have noticed in this particular short trek. Well, the first one that pops out is that the both of the kids' parents work on or near the Utopia Planitia shipyards. And we've obviously heard that previously from TNG and and some other shows. It's also where the Enterprise D was constructed. A lot of the starships in this short were Discovery style. And in fact, the school shuttle was also a Discovery style shuttle. However, the the short takes place post-Nemesis. So I'm not quite sure why the starships would look like Discovery starships, but we'll go with it. Also, it appears that the attack takes place on First Contact Day, which is April 5th. There's a banner in the school that reads Happy First Contact Day. Also on one of the Federation news alerts is Admiral Picard's reaction to this attack. So it's the first official time that we've seen Picard on screen post-Nemesis. And then the title of the short Children of Mars refers to Mars as the Roman god of war. So we could kind of interpret this as, you know, children of war. So there's a little symbolism in that as well. Kat, what did you think of the episode? I like it. You know, I wasn't sure what they were going with there, but, you know, after I've thought about it, my observations were, you know, it was kind of a glimpse into how conflict will divide and unite folks. So these two girls, you know, they were at odds with each other for one reason or another, and then when true calamity strikes, they unify to come together and you know, support each other, which is a nice message. You know, this particular episode, at first watch, it didn't really dawn on me a lot of the nuances, or rather, some of the themes that really just slap you in the face. So for starters, there's, you know, the theme of bullying, right? I said in the captain's vlog that growing up, I was 
really badly bullied, not just by my peers, but even faculty who didn't give a sh you know, teachers who didn't care. And so, and as I've grown older and I reflect back on those times, do I really think to myself, oh, you know, they just have it bad and, and that's the reason why they do it. That's, 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 yeah, I guess. But, you know, when you don't have a functioning group of adults around you to help mediate and help pull a child out of whatever struggles they may be facing, whatever issues might be having that are causing them to victimize another person. And then on top of that, you blame the victim. You know, it's it's a theme that rings really close to my heart. You know, it's just something that pulls at my heartstrings and, and triggers a lot of emotions for me. Hopefully, you know, these girls didn't just get detention and get slapped on the, you know, on the back of the wrist. Then again, you have the attack, which parallels very closely to 9-11, right? This was very, very reminiscent to that feel that sudden attack in the very heart so close to the Federation. If the Federation home base is on Earth, Mars is just a skipping stone away, you know? So those those themes were strong. I mean, I grew up right outside New York City, right across the Hudson River. I heard the impact of the plane hitting the World Trade Center in my high school. You know, so I remember the red alert. I remember clearly being stopped and all the kids locking down, all of us locking down, the fear, the confusion when the attack happened. So yeah, this was, this one, you know, really triggered some old emotions for me. I thought it was bold, you know, not, not only are you going to try to weave this, this theme of bullying and whatnot into it, but you're also going to then make a very, very strong parallel to 9-11 in a way that hasn't been done before in Star Trek. Remember, Enterprise and the Zindi attack happened not long after it was, I believe, filmed just before 9-11 that we're going to go with it on, right? Isn't no, no, the, no. The, the story no, with, the first season of Enterprise was delayed because of 9-11, and it was two years. Right. They went over two years before they came up with the Zindi storyline, and that was to mirror 9-11. And, and with that, we didn't see, we really didn't see how the Zindi attack impacted Earth or surrounding species. Everything is kind of ship in a bottle for Star Trek for the last 50 years. You know, move forward to DS9. Again, station in a bottle. The Dominion War was a lot of telling and very little showing. You know, we got some great episodes like Pale Moonlight and, and others, but we don't ever really see how the common person is affected by these galactic events. So even though these themes were, were very heavy, it, it was also inspiring to see that they were willing to take these stories in that direction with characters we may not ever hear from again, right? These, these are the story, this, the, this is the kind of story I would have loved to see in Deep Space Nine, you know, to explore how the Dominion War affected, affected Beta Zed. The Dominion invade Beta Zed, and Beta Zed is, is a, you know, a big deal in TNG for a lot of us because of Deanna Troy, right? We've heard of this planet. We know of its customs and whatnot. So, yeah, this was a very, this was the kind of Star Trek that I really enjoyed. It just kind of, it hit you when at first you don't even realize it's hitting you, and then you just have time for it to, to simmer and really help you reflect on yourself, even feelings that 
you may have forgotten about or still hold on to. Yeah, this may surprise you. I completely agree with everything you said. You know, my, <laughs> when it starts off with this kind of slice of life of these two girls, you know, in their daily lives on Earth, you're right. We don't get to see that kind of thing and how larger events affect that. And this was very powerful. And to even take the the analogy of 9-11 to another another place you know the, the world trade center was a was a visual symbol of you know the financial success of america and that is one of the reasons why it was attacked in this they're attacking where starships are built where the heart of exploration begins and that really is the heart of the federation and to see that as the as the epicenter of this story and how we are now at the beginning of the picard story and i think that You know, one of the things that this short film is meant to do is to really shift our tone away from the next generation into Picard to show us that, okay, this is a new playing field. This is a new area, a new era of the Federation that we're that we're moving into for this show and to really set us up through that. I think it was a very powerful short and probably my favorite short track to date. I will say this. I don't understand the song. Oh, I love the song. I I mean, I it's not, it's not a it's not a song that I hate. I like the song. I really like Heroes by David Bowie. But I didn't understand what about the song belonged in this story. I I don't know. I I you know, if if the story is about these two girls living through this and experiencing this through their eyes, like how are they heroes? You know, like what? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe they're heroes in a small way by putting aside their differences and uniting, which is maybe uh, something a lot of people could learn from. I always understood the song, too, to be about mistakes and about overcoming mistakes. Maybe. Maybe. What about you, Captains? What is your thought on the latest short track? How do you think David Bowie's heroes fit into the latest short track. And of course, be sure to send your opinions, replies, and theories to us over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast, or just look out for our social media posts about this community question. That wraps up this short track on screen. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Our first community question was, have you seen Children of Mars? And what did you think? Now, listener opinions were pretty strongly divided on this one. So let's uh, let's see what you had to say. From Instagram, Drive Sleep Repeat wrote, really enjoyed Children of Mars. It was evocative on many levels. I thought of seeing the Challenger crash live on TV. I thought of 9-11 and the feelings of watching that tragedy unfold. I felt for the girls in the short. I thought the episode was well presented. The musical choice captions the adversity pictured while also possibly foreshadowing a bit of what's to come with our main characters. On Facebook, Jamal Taylor writes in, Children of Mars was very safe. All the problems I have with it are not central to the story. Every Federation ship shown is Discovery Era, which makes absolutely no sense if it is post-Nemesis. Showing Picard's face and the attacking ships forces the era, but nothing else supports it. Beyond that, it was fine. Two kids who won't talk to each other lashing out at each other. I disagree, (laughs) but that's okay, Jamal. From Instagram, Nikki33P1. Hey, Nikki. 
Children of Mars was sad. It was heartbreaking to see the one young girl hang up on her dad the last time they talked. It was my least favorite short trek, but it was a reminder that tomorrow is never promised and to live every day like it's your last. Well said. From Facebook, Mike Tripp writes, Disco era ships likely tie into what's happening in the Countdown comics. LaForge is at the shipyards coordinating an effort to put together a fleet of ships to evacuate the Romulan people. As for the synths, these are likely data knockoffs, but made by who? And guessing by the use of the word rogue, they are fighting for their own independence? Overall, I love the direction this latest short trek takes us both because it's a unique story and because of the hidden tidbits to the Picard series hidden inside. That's true. This gave us some major, major story points for the Picard series. And I'll be honest with you, after watching this short trek, my excitement for Picard went from 11 to 3,000. Our second community question for this week was, we want to know what were some of your favorite moments from the past 10 years of Star Trek Online? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes, My favorite memory is the trailer for the Romulan expansion. Elijah, you weren't you weren't with us last week. What's, you, what's one of your favorite memories from the last 10 years? You know, honestly, <laughs> this is going to sound really corny. No, it's gonna the sound time really corny, I called the game Flappy Bird? <laughs> the time I called the game Flappy Bird, that is, that's one of them. Honestly, all right, yeah, this is going to be tacky, but it's this podcast, like, and the the opportunities it's afforded me and given me over the course of these last nine years, I mean, in terms of production of the show, I mean, I've had the opportunity of going to Cryptic Studios, becoming friends and acquaintances with, with many of the developers, so... You know, I've had the opportunity of seeing a little bit behind the curtain about how much work it takes to produce a massively multiplayer online role-playing game like this. Uh, So it's provided me a much greater appreciation for the industry than I would have had otherwise. If I had to give a specific about in-game, I don't know, man, that's hard. I mean, the voice acting and and, and the animations are, are always, always exciting. Yeah, that's that's my final answer. Well, that wraps up episode 444 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, Peter Archibald. And of course, we can't let you go without reminding you what our community questions are for this week. Of all the Picard news leading up to the premiere, which was most exciting to you and why? Also, will you be purchasing the new Picard bundle? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday. Just open your favorite podcast app and run a search for Roddenberry. There you'll find us and our friends on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and Kat in the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlighting some of the amazing members in our community. 
Each week, we'll team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's always something for Star Trek Online players, whether you're new, whether you're a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And of course, if you'd like to join the Armada, then just visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our community patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, The Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the weekly productions of our shows, especially our Captain's Vlog. Thanks to our associate producer, Shane Hoover, for assisting us in the weekly production of this show. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Engage. This is Elijah, intro sync one. This is Kat, intro sync two. This is Anthony, intro sync one. <laughs> what? Kat what? just had... You are intro sync Oh, did I say think... <gasps> oh, my. Look yeah. at that. One week. Put me, oh. put me, yeah, put me in my place. You. Who does number three work for? Anthony. Sorry. My, my dogs are acting up. <laughs> Finally, it's not mine. Okay, wait five minutes, though. <laughs> The universe is a mess, she says, and Seven holds Starfleet and the Federation largely responsible. As the story opens, Seven is working with a group of freedom fighters called the Fenris Rangers. Go, go, Fenris Rangers! La, 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 la. Ryan says the group. <laughs> yeah, this kind of marketing is great. I, this, is, this is good marketing. This is good this is good. Uh, is it good? Audience it engagement? I'm no, no, not sure good. where you're headed there. Wait, wait. Um, two words sounds like... This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gun is the only weapon in the bundle. 
What was that? <laughs> it was as as Loex on it. Was a dog. It was a dog busting through <laughs> like like the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> oh yeah, roof. <laughs> or as as Loex on a Troy would call him, Mister Woof. I initially initially, what's the matter with me tonight? That rust, that New Year's rust. I know, man. So I initially. <laughs> oh my god! Meet Elijah, the initialin man. Who does number three work for? Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.